Welcome to Yes, X or No Audio. Secret Power, WikiLeaks and its Enemies. A new book by Stefania Marizzi provides a first-hand account of the campaigns waged against WikiLeaks and Julian Assange by their enemies. Published 2022, November 9th. Introduction and Disclaimer This article is, in essence, a free advertisement for the recently released book by Italian journalist Stefania Maurizzi, translated into English by Leslie Cavanagh-Bardelli, forwarded by Ken Loach, and published by Pluto Books. This article also promotes The Trial of Julian Assange, a story of persecution by UN Special Rapporteur on Torture, Niels Melzer, published by Verso Books. This author has never been in contact with either author or their publishers of their books. I do not expect any financial reward for this work. Actually, I don't want any either. Even amongst the alternate media, which this author follows, little evidence of promotion for this very important book has been seen. This effort is an attempt to fill a hole and promote something which the author believes is important. I have, however, been following the cases against Julian Assange and the attacks on WikiLeaks since the Snowden revelations in 2013. I soon knew that the rape allegations against Assange were bogus. He was never charged and the investigation itself alarmed the two women with which he had had consenting sexual encounters. This was obviously political from the outset. Since, I have been able to identify the journalists who have been doggedly following the trail. They obviously include Maurizi, but also Joe Lauria from Consortium News, Richard Medhurst, who self-publishes, Kevin Gostola from The Dissenter slash Shadowproof, and others like Mohammed El Mazi. The mainstream media have completely failed, nay, deliberately obscured the cases, and meanwhile run smear pieces and other attacks. The Guardian has smeared fictitious cat shit on its own walls. Assange is charged by the USA government on 18 accounts, 17 under the Draconian 1917, as amended in 1961, Espionage Act, which has never been challenged in the USA's Supreme Court. The other charge is under the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, which has been repeatedly challenged by civil liberties groups such as the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Did you know that the FBI's star witness for the charge under the CFAA is a convicted fraudster and child molester? who has recanted his testimony? This was revealed in the Icelandic publication Stundin over a year ago, based on statements by the star witness himself. Despite having read only the part of Maurizio's book released by the publisher, and not having read any of Mills's book, I have listened to hours of interviews with them both and been following the case for close to a decade. My recommendations and analysis are based on this research. The book... In Secret Power, WikiLeaks and its Enemies, Maurizi provides a first-hand account of her interaction with WikiLeaks, its emergence and the ensuing battles it was forced to engage in due to its constant publication of entirely true but confidential information. Stefania relates how she became aware of WikiLeaks and her turning point in recognising the importance of cryptography in securing communications between journalists and their sources. She then speaks of the bravery that she saw in this new publisher and how she made efforts to learn about them and get in touch with them. 
It all goes live with a dead-of-the-night telephone call from WikiLeaks requesting her assistance in verifying a piece of source material in 2009. Indeed, the problem with WikiLeaks from the perspective of intelligence agencies which wish to use the media as a source of disinformation to achieve their objectives, see sources, was that WikiLeaks would not fall for these tactics. WikiLeaks is the only news publisher with a 100% record of accuracy. Maurizi and this writer share a rare background. We have both studied mathematics and cryptography. She is a journalist. I am merely an opinion writer following a career in information technology. IT professionals do share a commonality with journalists. Journalists wish to protect communications with sources from prying eyes of the state. We IT people want to protect the data of the organisation for which we work from usually less powerful prying eyes, but also protect that data from modification or destruction. While these are different objectives against different categories of threat actors, they end up involving very similar tools which come from the fields of cryptography and computer science and engineering. Stefania's book is written as a political thriller, though it is non-fiction. Maurizi relates her own experience and cites articles and other publications to document her statements as one would expect of a journalist or an historian. Indeed, her book is very likely to be cited in academic articles on the history of the persecution of Assange and WikiLeaks as she is a first or second-hand source depending on the interaction being described. Her referencing establishes a solid basis for her descriptions of events as a second-hand witness. The book is endorsed not only by Ken Loach's forward, but others such as John Pilger, Roger Waters, Daniel Ellsberg and Niels Milzer. To have one's book endorsed by such a luminary as John Pilger must have been gratifying for Marizzi. See sources for a collection of links relating to the book, including a review and publisher details. Additional links are provided relating to Melzer's book and other references. Endorsements of Marizzi's book. The article provides a complete, in-order, cut-paste of the endorsements provided by the publisher on the page which advertises the book. I shall read just a few of them. A rigorous, compelling and highly readable reconstruction of the WikiLeaks case. I highly recommend this work. No one conveys better the urgency of averting the extradition and prosecution of Assange. Daniel Ellsberg. Maurizzi's relentless, rigorous and courageous work has produced compelling evidence for the flagrant and deliberate illegality of Julian Assange's persecution. She has decisively contributed to my official investigation into the case as the United Nations Special Rapporteur on Torture. Professor Niels Melzer. Stefania Marizzi's revelation of the core of the UK Crown Prosecution Service, then run by Keir Starmer, in the persecution of Julian Assange was a journalistic landmark. Her book is a lesson to all who expose the malign secrets of power. John Pilger. The best possible tribute to Julian Assange's sacrifice on behalf of Western citizens whose governments have been committing, in their name, crimes against humanity. Stefania Maurizio has sacrificed much to write this book, making it a book to read, behold and promote to anyone who cares about the truth. Yanis Varoufakis 
The article then goes on to transcribe the overview of the book provided by the publisher, which I shall omit in this recording. Review. Declassified UK has published a review of the book by Alan Bilecult, also published by Consortium News, and the link to that is provided in the article. Look inside a part of the first chapter. The PDF is available from the publisher. See the article for the link. It provides a part of the first chapter. One gains a feeling for the style of writing. The author found the reading engaging. A few events which were unknown to the author regarding Stefania's background and initial engagement with WikiLeaks were also learned. Understanding the Assange and WikiLeaks persecution. If one has not been studying the case of Assange and WikiLeaks for nine years and one wishes to obtain a detailed understanding of its history, there would seem to be two core books. Stefania's recent book provides a deep history and a first-hand account from the perspective of a journalist who has worked with WikiLeaks from 2009. The second book is that by UN Rapporteur on Torture, Niels Melser, The Trial of Julian Assange, A Story of Persecution. Melser's book focuses on the man and the legal abuse applied in the courts against him and the role of the four countries of the USA, UK, Sweden and Australia in facilitating this abuse. The two combined should provide a full landscape of understanding. Melter, as noted above, has endorsed Maruzzi's book. Those wishing to own a copy of either or both of these books can deal with the publisher directly or perhaps contact their local independent bookstore. Those merely wishing to read may wish to befriend their local library and encourage them to obtain a copy or three. Lastly, efforts like Project Gutenberg or the Internet Archive may make digital versions available in the future. There is, however, no substitute for a physical book for reading. A reading of this book by Stefania Marizzi would seem to be both informative and enjoyable if the released section is a guide. I can't wait to get my eyes upon it. This concludes the parcel reading of the article. I am now going to embark upon a little rant. I believe it worthwhile to understand what Julian Assange was trying to do, what his mission was, and what he'd realized. There are two core elements at play. The mission that he was about was providing to the world at large an accurate record of history. That was his call, and it's just reflected in this you know, famous statement that if wars can be started by lies, then peace can be obtained by truth. So his mission was about the collection of data which accurately described the way that political powers were moving and what was happening so that people could be informed and then, using whatever mechanisms are available to them within their jurisdictions, counter behaviour that they didn't agree with. The academic version of history is not necessarily better than that which is put forward in the, in the media, but at least it comes under a little bit more study. The problem with that is that identified by Aaron Schwartz, that this academic record is hidden behind publishing houses who charge exorbitant fees for access to this information, which denies this information, be it historical, scientific, engineering, whatever, is denied to the poorer countries in the world, such that they cannot advance themselves, or in the case of what Julian was looking at, understand the power plays that are happening. So Aaron Schwartz went about a process of 
downloading vast troves of academic publishing with the intention of publishing it in a freely available format. For the, I mean, he was caught doing this. He was using the license um, from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, which enabled him to do this. It doesn't mean it comported with the uh, licensing regulations uh, of the publishing houses, but that's what he was doing. He was then charged with that against the wishes of the university uh, and committed suicide based upon the persecution he was receiving. He is like a little canary in a coal mine here. And what Assange was doing was happening at the same time. I don't believe that they were allied in their purposes, but were pursuing similar aims in independent manners. Indeed, the cryptographically secure communication mechanism that WikiLeaks established to secure its communications with its sources was actually pioneered by Aaron Schwartz. It was called SecureDrop, and it's now used by all major publishing organizations around the world. To be clear, I'm not sure which of these efforts came first. What is clear is that Julian Assange's purpose was a documentation of history from authentic sources, and Schwartz's effort was about delivering reliable academic publication to those which could not afford it. So the publishing houses come down upon Schwartz and he commits suicide. The power establishments come down upon Assange and WikiLeaks to stop them releasing true and useful information. To recap, Assange's mission was the creation of a sort of database of a a true history of politics. That was the mission. His realization was that the body of people who are members of the sort of deep state and have a high level of security access had grown to something like 2 million in the United States. The key understanding was that he only needed a tiny fraction of them to be alarmed by what that security state was doing and he would get the data. But to do that, he needed to create the secure communications infrastructure. So it is the purpose and the realization that lead to the construction of the technology. This process is reminiscent of the first crypto wars back in the 1990s, which are detailed in the four articles on Tor, published some months ago. What is happening is that the power establishment are trying to use a hammer to solve a maths problem. The battle continues in what's known as post-quantum cryptography, led by Daniel Bernstein and various other, uh, Jessica Lang, I can't remember, maybe I got her first name wrong. But this battle about information control continues in spaces that you don't know about, particularly in the modern bleeding edges of post-quantum cryptography. These are not the same, but related dynamics. And these books by Stefania Marizzi and Niels Mensa at least help us understand the process that was issued against Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. And if you want to learn more about uh, Aaron Schwartz, there is a video called The Internet's Own Boy. Please take the time to look at that. The summary of all of the above is that this is all about information control. That is the battle at hand. Certain government groups have gone about the process of burning books. We can cite the Nazis, and I believe this also happened under Mao Zedong in China. However, the concept of destroying information 
is anathema to the core Western values of exploration and of ideas and free speech. Thus, publishers and books themselves have a sort of special place. They're quite difficult for governments which wish to suppress them to do so without alarming the citizenry who believe in this idea from the Enlightenment of free speech and discussion of ideas and publishing and so forth. Indeed, the whole concept of publishing is a core element of the Western transition from alchemy to science. The idea is you do your research and then you inform everyone about it and thereby allow them to criticize the errors in your work or praise it for its excellence. Long gone are the principles of say what you want to say and then withstand the criticism of your peers. Now we are living in a world where things are just instantly deep-sixed. Oh, it's propaganda, it's Russian this, or it's Chinese that, or it's whatever. The Western world has lost its moral character and is failing to actually uphold the core principles upon which it is formed. Meanwhile, we're funding wars, declaring that we're defending values as we are repressing speech and ideas. It is completely upside down and backwards. We are being corralled into conformity. Caitlin Johnston recently asked the very reasonable question, how much shall we descend into autocracy in the effort to fight autocracy? What is the point? Assange and Schwartz before him are canaries in the coal mine. They are exposing the dilapidation, the decay of Western values. We are suffering a fascism of imposed conformity. This is the struggle for us in this age. Thanks for listening. Until next time.